Good morning, and thank you for joining the Digital Selling Secrets Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about sales, leadership, and digital transformation. And on this podcast this morning, we have a very special guest, Andy Paul with the Accelerate Podcast and Ring DNA. We also have our co-host, Jerry Manicarote. Cheers. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. And um, Andy, I don't want to steal your thunder. You mind giving us just kind of a, a brief introduction about yourself? Sure. Um, I mean, I am a, I'm a sales guy at heart. I've been in sales for four decades um, and seen a tremendous amount of transformation during that time. You know, whether, as I always tell people, you know, one of the great innovations early in my career was FedEx, right? I mean, there's a big thing to be able to send a Federal Express package. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, obviously gone through a huge transitions with just, you know, the early days of digital. I worked at Apple in the very early days of Apple and, and um yeah, I remember <laughs> I wanted to do work at home. I lugged my whole computer home at night. Um, that's sort of the beginning of that. Uh, but yeah, I worked in a variety of tech startups for 20 years. And then for the last 20 years, I've have run my own business up until recently, where um, my own business, consulting business, working with small and mid-sized companies. Really the focus was teaching them how to sell really large deals uh, and compete against big competitors. And uh, then about 10 years ago, I started, got involved with writing books and started my podcast four years ago. And now we've got a podcast with over 750 episodes and millions of downloads and uh, really addressing this issue of, you know, how do we enable salespeople and sales leaders to perform to the best of their abilities? And uh, so I brought it on, you know, just amazing group of people. I tell people that doing, maybe you found this too, is doing a podcast is really one of the most selfish things I've done because I've learned so much through the course of talking with all these incredibly smart people over 755 episodes uh, as of the day we record this that uh, I think I've benefited as much as the audience. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And um, I, I, I like to consider myself a lifelong learner. And so mm -hmm. I, read, I read a lot of books, but these podcasts are amazing. And I think people look at them for different reasons, but for me, it's about building relationships. I mean, there's not a quicker way to build a relationship with someone across the world than invite them on a podcast and have a conversation with them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, and the thing is that I think that now we're starting to see some companies and also understand that it could be a way to effective way to prospect. And, you know, if you have a, a podcast and you want to bring somebody on, that's perhaps a, you know, potential prospect, or maybe they're actually involved in the, the buying process already, have a conversation that's sort of neutral, a neutral setting. But yeah, to your point, you, you build that connection. It, it's funny. I was listening to uh, your podcast where you interviewed. Um, Looks like Gary kind of froze there. So uh, I don't know what. Oh, there he is. Am I still okay. frozen? Yeah, no, you're back now. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're okay. frozen. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> no, I, I was listening to your uh, your podcast, the Accelerate Podcast, and um, Dennis. It was the the LinkedIn one. Dennis, I'm trying to remember what his last name was. Um, anyways, um, w part of the podcast was talking about the transact. People try to be so transactional these days. Mm -hmm. right? They want mm -hmm. to media gratification, and they're not willing to really invest the time to get to know someone and figure right. out, I mean, it could turn into a friendship, it could turn into a business relationship, but um, people are just, especially in the, in the digital world that we're in right now, people are spamming people with messages, playing the numbers game, trying to um, 
So yeah, I mean, podcasting is a great way to just kind of get to know someone just like, uh, it's even a more intimate setting than, um, a networking event. Cause you're, it's almost a sure. one-on-one conversation. Um, how did you, how did you get started Andy in, on the, in podcasting? Because now it's like, it's like the, uh, the garage band of the, of, of this, <laughs> this century, you know, before everybody was starting a band back in the eighties and nineties, now everybody's starting a podcast. So how did you get started? Well, I know it's amazing to think about. It. I've been doing it for four and a half years, and and you think that most of the growth in podcasting has really come since then. Um, actually, and even though I felt like a late adopter to it, it's um, yeah, it's amazing. I just saw something yesterday online that we're just close to having Apple's close to having a million different podcasts registered on iTunes. Wow! So, firstly, we all have. I mean, think back to the day when the internet was starting. Uh, we talked about this whole idea of doing what they called narrow casting or point casting, where you know, you could get break the audience into such fine slices and find a way to you know broadcast uh, appropriate content to this really thin thin niche of people. And this is sort of what the podcast is doing. But um, yeah, I got started, I said four and a half years ago, and the inspiration came from attending a conference. I think it was an Infusionsoft uh, user conference, and hearing a speaker. Uh, John Lee Dumas, who runs a very successful podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. And just listening to a talk about the podcast and, and well, how he was benefiting from having these conversations. And, and I, it just sort of struck me as like, okay, that appeals, appeals to several minds are born and bred instincts, which is I'm insatiably curious. I'm like Gary, a lifelong learner, reading constantly. Um, had just sort of started listening to podcasts myself. And I was just like, yeah, I don't see anybody really doing this in the sales space in the way that, that I think I would want to do it, which was in-depth interviews that we have uh, every week. And I bring my, my sense of curiosity and skepticism and so on to, to the interviews. And yeah, it's just, I started and it sort of clicked and um, you know, we, obviously still growing and we've got big plans for what we're going to do with the, the podcast going forward. But yeah, it just, it just appealed to me. And, you know, we've then found a way to, to monetize it over time, including, you know, my podcast being acquired recently by another company. Oh, wow. So with a, almost a million podcasts and I mean, po- podcasting, it's easier than some things, but it's still work. Uh, mm. So I think a, a lot of the people that want, you know, immediate gratification is not going to happen um, even with podcasting. Um, but with almost a million podcasts, do you think pod, you think the market's saturated or you think uh, there's something new that's coming out after a podcast that's probably going to take the place of podcast? My, oh, ki- think- my kids have started a podcast, so that's a great yeah. question. Yeah, well, there you go, right? So. <clears throat> Well, I remember going to a conference a couple of years ago and uh, it's called Podcast Movement. It's sort of a big industry uh, conference and for podcasters. And the statistic was given during a presentation by one of the major hosting companies, Libsyn, that the, well, I'll ask you the question. I'll pose this question to you. So how many episodes, on average, how many episodes does the average podcast produce before they quit? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say probably five. Yeah, close. It was seven. So of that million, 
who knows how many are active, how many will continue to be active. Mm. I mean, for so for success, and it depends on how you want to define success with podcasting, is consistency, you know, identifying your audience, obviously key, and then being consistent and reliable. I mean, you got to give it more than seven episodes to find out whether you're getting traction <laughs> <laughs> with the market. And so what I did when I launched was is to sort of accelerate that and tune with the name perhaps is, is we started going out of the box. We started with three episodes per week and producing three episodes. Then we actually moved to five episodes per week for a while. And then we'd slowly had sort of scaled back to one episode per week just because of other things that were going on in my business. Um, because I wanted to make sure that, that I had the time to prepare the way I wanted to prepare for every episode. So um, I may be a little unusual compared to a lot, like at least with some of the guests are telling me compared to most hosts, because you know, if I'm interviewing an author, I read their book before they come on. Um, I don't accept standard questions from guests as I do all my own preparation and I'll prepare 25 to 30 questions for every guest that comes on. And I don't give my questions out to the guests ahead of time. So people have to sort of trust me and come in blind. And uh, then we'll have a, you know, an informed conversation. Um, so so it's, go ahead. Well, so what is the, because you hear different um, philosophies on podcasts and, and I, you know, I have another podcast I'm a part of, and I've actually thought about thinking, starting another one just because, and the whole reason is like, I'm interested in data centers. Maybe I'm going to start a data center podcast. I'm interested, mm -hmm. in, interested in healthcare. Maybe I'll start a healthcare podcast. But you get to a point where you can only have so many episodes on each podcast per week. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, is it better for me to have three to five episodes a week for one podcast or maybe one episode a week for, the, for each podcast? Well, that's, a, that's a good question. And... Yeah, you know, you're sort of serving different marketplaces, and there's probably not a lot of overlap in your audience. Mm -hmm. And so we've we've talked about this internally with with my podcast is because we're going to be expanding to go back to more episodes per week. Uh, currently, or one, we're going to have multiple episodes. And so the question was, well, they, are these separate shows, or are they all the same show? And yeah, we came to the conclusion that since we're trying to build an audience and all the shows would be sort of addressing somewhat the same audience, mm -hmm. is that rather than dilute ourselves or risk the, the possibility of dilution of the audience by having separate brand names is, hey, let's build up the one brand name with the podcast that we have and our content all a part of that. So that's, that's the way we've gone. That's, and I think it's, it's the best decision for us. But you know, if you're doing you know, data centers very different than health, then yeah right. if you're really passionate about those things then do two podcasts but if you think hey this is where i can if your goal is to monetize your podcast then i would say you know you might try to and see which one gets more traction then you want to focus on one yeah yeah well it's mainly because so some of my clients are in data centers and some of my clients are in healthcare, and and mm -hmm. so um it's for me to help to understand them better Mm -hmm. but my occupation I'm in, in sales and I'm, I'm passionate about digital transformation. But right. I guess one way to look at it is, you know, on this podcast, we talk about leadership. So, I mean, there's leaders in healthcare, there's leaders in yeah, data absolutely. centers, uh, just maybe ask them about their leadership in those areas, I guess which could be one way. Yeah. I mean, what we've done in my podcast is, is try to keep it 
sales, look at everything sort of through the sales lens, I guess is a better way of saying it. So yeah, I've had a lot of big name leadership experts on, uh, you know, we weren't talking specifically about sales, but you know, the lessons apply. Let's say everything, sir, because I'm from a sales background, everything sort of has that sales, uh, let's say patina on it, if you will. We've had leadership, you know, we've had a lot of technology companies, you know, software companies. And so we, we try to cover the range of topics that we think are of interest to the audience. Uh, at some point, they'll, something they'll encounter in their day-to-day lives, whether it's technology, and it could be some sales about specific things we've had. Um, oh, I was trying to remember this one guy, you know, escaping me, is, is we've had some pretty unique uh, sales professions on as well. So start trying to show the depth and breadth of, of sales and, and keep it entertaining. And that's, I think that's really the thing that a lot of people don't uh, sort of keep in mind when they do their podcast is that this is ultimately a form of entertainment. I think that if it's just positioned purely as education, uh, you're not going to get as many people to tune in as often as you want if they don't get uh, some enjoyment from it other than just you know, something else that they're adding to their brain. Well, that's why we have Jerry as our as our co-host because uh, <laughs> he's he's entertaining. So Jerry, he's... Jerry, do something funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem uh, when you when you work with Gary. You know, I do funny things, but he looks funny. That's the <laughs> perfect combination. Well, but I but I think that's another thing too with podcasts that that you guys have going for you is if you build on it is is a lot of the most successful podcasts these days are are not one person; they're multiple people. Uh, so, are recurring, sometimes recurring uh, guests that come on, or co-hosts that come on occasionally, or co-hosts that are there all the time. And I think that's appealing to a lot of people that they're sort of part of the family, and that the relationship between the two hosts is one of the reasons they tune in because they want to hear that. That's so, it's it's yeah, it's it's. So you look at, uh, you know, one of the big shows right now is um, Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert. Uh, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest podcast these days. You know, he and his, his co-host, Monica Padman. Um, yeah, part people tune in part to hear that. They want to hear their interplay. They want to feel, they feel like they're part of that. Sort of like why we listen to, or not listen, but continue to watch, uh, you know, our favorite TV show that might be a sitcom with, you know, like Modern Family or something. It's hugely popular because... Everybody sort of identifies a little bit with the characters, but also we sort of care about them and we want to keep up to date with them. And so I think, you know, podcasting, having hosts can be an interesting, interesting dynamic. And I, for the first 755 episodes, out of the first 755 episodes, I had a co-host for a little over 100 of those episodes uh, with a woman named Bridget Gleason. Uh, she's great, successful VP of sales at tech companies and... And people love those episodes. You know, that's mind-boggling just to hear that 750 episodes. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine, and he has, uh, he has his own podcast, some very, very niche um, whiskey podcast. Ah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking about this, and somebody was, uh, somebody was in our conversation, and we were talking about podcasts in general. And he said, the problem with podcasts you know, it sounds cool and it sounds fun and, and all that. And people may tune in and listen to it for a little bit just for the novelty's sake. But the problem with you as a producer or a host or whatever 
is that you do not know when it's going to end because it is something that has to keep going. To your point about only seven episodes and people give up, if you're not going to give up, you have no idea. And now for me to hear you say 750 episodes and it's still going, that is just mind-boggling to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, it, that is a big number. Um, and, you know, we're excited about what's sort of the next phase because we're actually going to, we're going to rename my podcast. And so, yeah, coming up here at the near the end of April, we're going to have a, a big unveil about uh, sort of a new name and we'll go back and rebrand all the old episodes and, and sort of a new, a new mission going forward. But to, but to your point about never ending, I think that one thing that we've seen as a trend in the last several years with, with podcasting, and it's, it's certainly a viable path to go, is people do seasons. So, hey, we're going to do a 10-episode season. You know, sort of like the, you know, uh, what was it? Serial, right? That was a very popular one about the, the murder mystery and so on. That mm. was, you know, that was a limited scope. And so you're seeing that more and more is, is podcasters saying, you know, we have a specific topic we're going to cover and we're going to do this in, uh, in a sort of a story-based to some degree. And we're going to cover that story in eight episodes or 10 episodes and that'll be season one and then we'll come back and we'll produce some more episodes and come back and release them all the next time in season two and and that works too yeah that's that's a great point and it i mean it almost seems like yeah, sure you could you could do it that way where you have a ending but i mean after seven episodes five or seven episodes you kind of realize whether you like doing it or not and if you, <laughs> you get started yeah if if you do like doing it, you don't like for me, I, I mean, I could see as long as podcasting stays around um, and people are interested in being on as guests, I, I could see myself doing it forever because it's just something I like doing. It's kind of like um, one of my hobbies is jujitsu and I started mm -hmm. out, started doing that for self-defense initially, but it, after you go a few times, if you like it, you're like, Hey, he needed that for, because he is, I told you about the funny looking parts. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Always, yeah. always subject to attack. Don't, don't beat me up just cause I look funny. Um, <laughs> send you a, send you a message I, here. Yeah. Yeah. But I, well, to your point though, is I think that you can picture yourself doing, it. I think for me, my big fear was, is, I don't know, fear might be the wrong word, but maybe I was fear is that is anybody listening? Right. And, and if I thought or that no one is listening, then I'm not sure we would have kept going as long as we had. And right. so knowing that, that we are reaching an audience and we're getting feedback from people saying, yeah, I really like what you're doing or I love what you're doing or, or, uh, you know, it's one guy, you know, early on, which is probably you know, kept us going. The guy saying, yeah, my sales team, we sit and listen to it every week in sales meeting. Um, you know, you get that sort of feedback and then you hear, you know, you look at the numbers and the numbers are growing in terms of people downloading it. But, but I think more than anything, more than downloads, even people feeding back to you, you know, Hey, really enjoy it. You're doing a great job. Keep going. And, you know, could you have this person on or that person on and so on having that sort of increasing dialogue with the people that, that are listening uh, which is always a challenge with podcasting. Um, yeah, keeps you keeps you motivated. Yeah, definitely. And if you like meeting people, like building relationships, um, I mean, it yeah, like if you like to learn, absolutely. But I said it's you still at some point you have to have that feedback loop. Uh, 
And I think that that a lot of podcasters get started because I think this sounds like a lot of fun, and but they don't serve, yeah, you know, they don't serve tie the ends together and say, yeah, but is anybody listening? listening. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Getting that feedback for sure. Yeah. On that. Um, well, we're, I know we're running short on time here, but I, I wanted to mention, um, I, I was very impressed with, uh, with ring DNA. I, I actually did a couple of demos uh, with, with the company that you're with mm-hmm. and I, I, I got stuck in their sales funnel, you know, that's what <laughs> it's, it's uh, interesting. I was on LinkedIn and I saw an article post about how to manage uh, remote sales teams. And of course right. my sales teams remote right now with this mm-hmm. COVID-19 situation. So I'm like, Hey, that looks pretty interesting. So, um, and then I think the next day or so I got a call uh, from, from a sales professional. And uh, of course I'm busy right now. Like everybody's busy with everything Absolutely. going on. Right. So I didn't have time. And then they, I think they called one or two more times after. And finally I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I am going to listen to the demo. I have no clue what your company does, but I, I'm up for, right. I'm a, I'm a technology person and I'm always open for new technology, but it's actually really cool because mo- a lot of companies are using Salesforce right now. Mm-hmm. And with ring DNA, instead of a sales professional going and manually, manually entering every activity they do, it automatically logs it from ring DNA. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to, uh, go a step further. So most sales managers are going, or they should be going on calls with sales professionals or, you know, conference calls, video calls, whatever it is in this, this day and age. But, um, with ring DNA, if you can't be on, let's say you have a big sales team and you can't be on everybody's calls that week, it'll, they can pick which calls they want to record and they can record those calls and they get uploaded to Salesforce. And then there's an artificial intelligence component to it where it analyzes the conversation. And so like they put up the metrics and like one sales professional that was part of their program is like, you see this sales professional, he did 90% of the talking and the customer (laughs) did 10% of the talking. So there's all these metrics that you can uh, look at and say, Hey, that's a, that's a good coaching tool and it looks for keywords too. So, right. Which is really critical. And if you want to coach a call and say, Hey, we can, we serve no, right. We've, we've been in this business a while. We've got some experience. We know these are sort of the, and maybe it's also aligns with, you know, sort of a playbook you have is we know if we, you know, use these words at this time during a call that perhaps we've been effectively communicating the message that we wanted to be communicating at that time. So yeah, you can do keyword searches. Um, yeah, you can look at the talk metrics as you talked about, you know, what's the balance of, of talk, you know, versus listen on the call. And that, and that actually that balance can shift at various points during the call appropriately. So it's, right. you know, you want to actually get into the sort of the details of the call because, you know, if you're, if you're in a mode where you're asking a lot of the questions on sort of discovery, call then hey you know you want to make sure that you've got the appropriate you're asking the questions you're listening but also part of a discovery call is the customer is discovering some about you in which case they're going to be asking you the questions and so you may find the talk listen balance shifts on the other side because they want to they want to learn from you so you have to do a little bit more of the talking or you may find it's it can be an individual thing you know some individuals are more effective if they do a little more of the talking from balance and uh you know, there's actually a study found that uh, about <coughs> men versus women. Uh, you know, and there's been research showing that women are generally more successful in sales than men in professional business, B2B sales. 
and that um, they also tend to talk a little bit more. But you're thinking, okay, well, we want to, you know, we want to be listening more than we're talking. But hey, we've got this research that shows us that here's a substantial group of people that are having more success, and they're actually doing a little bit more of the talking. So, you know, we have to individualize it and make sure that's appropriate for the circumstances. But you have now have a tool that enables you to do that. Yeah, definitely. Then you have the data to look for trends and correlations between sales reps. and. Yeah, well, I think that's the important thing. With When you have this data, like RingDNA provides like, through the what they call their conversational AI, is that it gives you an opportunity as a coach to say, how do I make this person the best version of themselves? And this is really what we want in sales. Is The goal is not to use our technology to make everybody look like you know, the, the alpha performer, the top performer, because everybody's different. You're all individuals. You have unique personalities, unique strengths, and so on. But now I've got a tool where I can actually either monitor phone calls or during while they're happening in progress or, or listen to them uh, afterwards and recorded and say, yeah, I've got information that helps me make this individual better. And I think that's just absolutely key. Yeah, that's a great point. Go ahead, Jerry. I was just going to say, it's really fascinating to hear what you're saying uh, about the product. You know, I looked into it as well. And, and just to hear it vocalized like that, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And, you know, our, our, our focus here is digital sales. And this kind of mm-hmm. fits really, dovetails really well into what we do. And a lot of people think digital sales is just kind of what we're doing now or what everybody's doing now with the COVID situation, phone call or, or Zoom call or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But this this piece right here, Ring DNA, it is is digital selling, in my opinion, because it's it's allowing you to to leverage technology to improve your sales and ultimately improve your revenues and uh, and uh, improve as you as you pointed out the best version of yourself as a salesperson. Yeah, now, I find that very fascinating. Well, and it's it gets overlooked because I think so much of training these days in sales is about, as I mentioned before, is like there's one way to sell and we want everybody to sell this way. And yet we've got, I don't know, in the United States, 15, 10 to 15 million people involved in sales. And there are 12 to 15 million different unique ways people are selling. <laughs> and we need to acknowledge the fact that, that that is the case. And so now we have technology that's rather being used rather than being used just to make everybody the same is you can say hey here's technology that says look i the way i have a conversation is different than the way somebody person next to me will have a conversation but now i have a tool that enables me to see what i'm doing individually and make me better and in a, on at scale to some degree too it's because you know now you can listen to these conversations you know you don't sort of like listening to podcasts. I know a lot of people like listening to podcasts at twice the speed of normal, right? Because they get through twice me, the That's me. That's, that's you, me. right? <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a 1.5 guy, but, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, still a point B is you can, you can listen to a lot of calls. And as a manager, now that you have this insight, rather than purely relying on the recollection of the salesperson about how did the call go and you know, what did they say when you said this to them and so on, is you now have the opportunity to go in and, and listen and work with the rep individually and say, okay, in this situation, had you thought about doing this instead of this, right? Um, and maybe the next time, let's try that and we'll see how that goes. Because you now you can test things that you couldn't test before. 
Right. Yeah. And, and even if you, even if you're on the call with the sales rep, it seems like if you, you can still go back and analyze spend, I was thinking about that this morning um, with the, the ring DNA feature, how even let's say you go on a, a sales manager goes on a sales call with a sales professional. They're listening to the client plus they're watching and listening to the sales professional. And then afterwards they can, they can coach them, but they still have to go off their memory of what happened in the meeting mm-hmm. versus, versus having it there where you can analyze it and say, okay, this, you probably shouldn't have said that or I mean, it, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is you have a transcript as well, right? So right. when you have these recorded calls, you also produces a transcript automatically. So you can quickly scan the transcripts as well. If you want to say, okay, I think you know, the X minute mark, you know, about two thirds way through the conversation, we sort of came across this scan that, or you could just do a keyword search within the conversation. If you remember what that was, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always been that way in sales. Yeah, as long as I've been in it, is is everything sort of managed by anecdote? Yeah, this right. is what I this is what I think happened in the call. This is what I recall happened in the call. And even for the rep, if the rep is diligent, is they should be looking at their and listening back to their own calls, not just waiting for the manager to to coach them on it. But they should also say, look, I had some critical calls during the week. Yeah, I should go back and listen to those again. And A, may refresh my memory. B, do some self-coaching. Yeah, and it's better, it's better for the client too. Because, I mean, it's not just good for the sales rep, but it's better for the client because now the, the rep can look at it and say, my messaging really wasn't very clear. I don't even think they understand what it is I do exactly. and the value right. I provide. Right. And, and, exactly. and Yeah, and, and then as far as manually entering the data, now – they don't have, now they can serve their client more because they're not manually entering the data, you know, all the information and all that. Well, I think that's really one of the, the um, key uses of automation. First pass of automation sales is, yeah, how do we take some of the repetitive quote unquote bureaucratic tasks out of the hands of the rep and automate those to free up time for them to, to spend selling. And yeah, it's been successful to some degree. Excuse me, but it's, it's, we still have more work to do on that is to help free up reps time because there's a lot of other things that we're finding now is with the digital age that the reps get involved with, you know, creating custom content. You know, they, there's been surveys showing that, uh, you know, in some cases reps are spending 35% of their time modifying content that they get for marketing in order to give yes. to a customer. Yes. And it's like, Okay, well, that's all right. Here's another good use of technology that we can say, okay, there must be a solution to that where we can collaborate, we can align sales and marketing in a way that, that reps don't have to spend that time, right? That the content's more targeted, more, more suitable. Uh, and that is happening. Companies are doing that uh, as part of sales enablement. So it's, it's um, this first pass, though, to your point is, yeah, let's, let's get these repetitive tasks out of the hands of the reps and use the technology to update critical systems like our CRM system and uh, free up more time for selling. Well, speaking of content, we'll have to have you come back uh, for another episode in the future talking about, so that this hat right here, I I don't know. um, I went to a marketing conference uh, because sales professionals, they have to be marketers. They have to be able to create content as well. And uh, in some cases, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're writing, you're writing emails. That's content. Yeah. Bill Glazier. You you familiar with Bill Glazier? I know the name. Okay, Dan Kennedy. Uh, yeah, they, Dan. Yep, read his books. Yep. Yeah, so they they were partners for a long time, and Bill had a 
actually right before all this COVID-19 stuff hit, um, he had a conference in Dallas. Luckily it didn't get canceled. It was a small little kind of mm-hmm. mastermind group, but yeah, we'll have to have that for another episode in the future. We're talking about sales professionals, creating content for inbound prospecting, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, for inbound and outbound both, right. It's, yeah. it's, um, I was interviewing somebody yesterday uh, for my show who's a top sales rep. He's, this guy's very, very impressive. One of the top reps I've, I've ever seen. Actually, he I've wins the Cadillac Eldorado last year. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he uh, making well north of a million dollars selling software. And, um, he said that, you know, he thinks one of the most important skills that he's developed over time is his writing skills. So he's not creating big content, but he's talking about the way that he's able to write an effective email and communicate very clearly to the point that, that Gary had made earlier is uh, for him, top of the list, you know, in terms of contributing to his success. And he gives examples, you know, he sells to fortune 50 companies, right? Mm. Um, he's, outbound proactive hunter hunter type and uh but he's he's learned about writing these emails that he'll send sort of as a uh an open letter to multiple stakeholders that he'll identify within an organization about how to set the tone for what's going to come and and what the basis of the conversation should be and yeah it really works for him so yeah the ability to not say create content per se but to create compelling meaningful communications that you have with your customers yeah very 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 important absolutely we'll we'll leave that as a teaser for a future episode sounds great i look forward to it (laughs) well andy we really appreciate you being on the the show today and all the insight you've provided for us any any last thoughts before we close out no, no, I, I admire you guys getting up early on a Saturday to do this. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I look forward to coming back again. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Hey, thank you. We, we really enjoyed it, most definitely. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. And for those of y'all that have been tuning in, uh, st- uh, please keep a lookout for future episodes of the Digital Selling Secrets podcast.